it is. So we are back for another week. Another Tuesday. That's right. Everyone's favorite place to be on a Tuesday. Another um, Wednesday for me. Wednesday for you. Yes. New York, joined by Jay Carter, who is in Tokyo. In fact, he is the chair of BLM Tokyo. And he's also the hip hop artist, Timmit, who has the new single on Shade 45, which we'll get to in a minute. Nice. We are joined as well by Malik Sanders, the political consultant who works for the Queensborough President's Office as well. So it's great to have you here, Malik. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, I'm in Totori, not Tokyo. Oh, that's right. But you are the chair yeah. of BLM Tokyo. Right, right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, no one's heard of Totori. <laughs> it's a small country town. But the question is, have you heard, I know Malik, you're a hip hop head. Have you heard the new single? I have not yet, but I will when I finish this podcast. Oh, you're horrible, horrible. <laughs> uh, only for a little bit. I'll be amazing after I hear it. That's right. Yeah. So this this past weekend, um, so I, yeah, you mentioned I, I released a new single called We Were Never the Problem and um, discovered this week uh, that apparently it had played on Shade 4 to 5. So uh, yeah, that was some pretty happy news. Nice. And, um, That's pretty great. Yeah, and then looking through the the old stuff I was I saw in there, they apparently played my last single up there too. So I didn't I didn't know that either. So I'm I'm a little behind as well on the news. <laughs> Timid is behind the times on his own music. So how is he gonna be mad at Malik? Yeah, right. I guess I guess <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. So but you guys checked it out. It's called Timid. Timid is the artist. We were never the problem. Is a single. It's available wherever mm -hmm. music is available. Really good single. Yeah, so again, you're not So. All right. So, um, well, we got Malik here. I know you got, you know, time is short. So um, let's, let's, let's jump right into it. We'll do a poll recap after for our last week's poll after afterwards. Let's get into it with uh, Malik. Yeah, so we were just up in Albany for Black Caucus weekend and figured we'd give a recap. What were some of the highlights or, you know, how did this year's caucus compare to previous years in light of the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic now? Gotcha. So I have a little bit of background noise. Apologies. But um, for those who don't know, uh, Black Caucus is BLAC, Black Latin Asian Caucus. It's the state elected officials of color, basically, coming together and doing workshops, having events. The unions come out, the, union, uh, the you know, different mayors, different politicals, lobbyists. A little bit of everyone comes out to, to do the workshops and network and build and things of that nature. The uh, the performance this year was Fat Joe. So that was nice. That was good. He uh, Nothing can stop him. He went all the way out. I didn't see the video. <laughs> everyone was going live on their pages. Everyone had the stories up. Mm -hmm. I actually missed it. I also missed the press conference. It was great. Which I would have liked to see. But I think I was sleeping at the time since we had we've done so much work. And then we had to go up to Albany do the petition thing. So I was resting. And there was a press conference going on uh, with Senator Sanders and Redman, uh, which I would have liked to have attended simply for the uh, fact that I'm a big hip hop head and would have, would have liked to meet Reggie. Yeah, it's the type of thing where you can't do everything that the weekend has, unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately. So you have options, different workshops, different programming, but you can't do it all in one weekend. Right. And I did it, attend some of the panels and very informative, you know, different senators, assembly members host their own panel discussions on various issues. There was one about coalition building. 
There was one about reimagining public safety, which of course is a big issue right now. There was one I didn't get to see about, they called it restoring voting rights, but I was interested to see, to see what kind of discussion that would be. But they have some very good guests and it's always very engaging discussion and you, you learn a lot from them. Yeah, every year there's a whole suite and spectrum of apologies, a suite and spectrum of workshops, different topics, um, economic, community development, organizing, running for office, all sorts of, it runs the gamut. Uh, every year you got to check the, the schedule and see which ones you want, what's going to work for you, because uh, it's great that there's so many options, but you got to, you got to, you got to plan out, pick and choose, and you, you're never going to make it all, which is a, a good thing, it also leaves room for the next year. With, um, what things did you attend when you were out there? I did a lot of the um, the networking events this time. I've done I've gone several years over time, so I didn't do as many of the workshops as I would in other years. This networking, uh, trying to make sure that I'm making the connections I need to make, bring back some business, build towards the future, things of that nature. It's funny. I went to the Young Professionals Mixer on Friday, I guess it was, and I didn't see anyone that I recognized. And unfortunately, I didn't have a whole lot of time to stay and make connections. So I felt like that was a bit of a wasted opportunity for me. But it's always interesting going to caucus or any kind of conference like this and being overwhelmed at all the people there. And you're thinking like, I know some people in here, but there are just so many people who work in this field who I haven't even met yet, you know? Yeah, there's always more people. There's always new people. People go in and out. Folks who used to work for an elected or used to be an elected or things of that nature. Sometimes they'll leave for a while and then you'll see them at the next caucus and then you'll get an update on what they're doing now. Because, you know, the politics kind of mixes in with a little bit of everything. So it, it is, you know, you, there'll be some familiar faces, but there's always rotating cast of characters to an extent. So that's part of why it, it could be helpful. Make the make the connection, see who's doing what, get the updates. I'm like, oh, you're over there now? Okay, well, we need to set up a meeting because of this and that and the third. Right, and that's the thing also. Sometimes it's helpful to run into people that you do know, even though it's supposed to be for networking, it's like a refresher. And then you say, oh, okay, you guys, you know, you're still out there. Like you said, maybe you're in a different office now. You catch up with someone and it's just a reminder that you guys are both still in the fields and maybe you should catch up further, have a meeting, discuss, build on that. Sometimes just seeing someone for a minute or two can inspire something bigger. Yeah, I actually find that those meetings are great when you're out there and it's someone especially in the covid days you don't see people as much i i live in queens if someone is living and working being political in the bronx and i know them i might not see them all the time we might be going to different events and meetings and, and such so it's, it's nice to run into someone and say hey let's catch up and chat about whatever you know that thing is and it's a little you know it's professional but it's a little more casual uh than if you're at a, an official formal meeting and you're sitting at the table and discussing things, you could step to the side, have a little combo, set up some other business, you know, or just, it's nice to be able to just talk to some of these folks as people as well. You, see, you might see an elected official there, casual, not, you know, in the middle of a program. So that's nice. Yeah, you got Fat Joe there performing. So it's, that's yeah. the time, you know what I mean? It's a more human element. Let's turn this thing into a concert. Let's party, let's have fun. Some that. elected officials were definitely on the stage with Fat Joe, yeah. So that that's <laughs> everyone's having a good time. 
Oh, let me find out. Like somebody else up there raps besides you, Mike. Hey, you never know. Actually, yeah. Jamal Bailey did a he did a rap at the gala that uh, on the on the Saturday night. I, I wasn't expecting it, but it was it was it was fun. I will battle that dude. <laughs> I would love to see it. <laughs> well, Malik, I know you don't have much time. Any closing thoughts on caucus weekend? Um, go with the goal. I, I guess I'll say that's that's something that I I heard because some people go just to hang out. Some people go to strictly do business. Some people go to do a bit of both and some people just go, but I I'd say go with a little, a little plan, a little business, a, a little, you know, letting your hair down a little bit and making those connections in a more casual way. That, that can be great. And there's some great conversations to be had a little off the grid, still on the grid working, but you can, you know, have a real conversation with people there that it can be hard to set up meetings with. Right, right. Well, sounds good. Thank you for joining us. I know you're busy with the for our president's office and everything that you're working on. So we'll hope to have you back when you have a little bit more time in the future. Yes, I, I will definitely come back. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Malik. And check out the single. Yeah. We'll do. We whenever the problem. We'll do. Oh, and uh, just real quick before you go, I did want to uh, send uh, appreciation to you. I know you um, purchased the the zine that. BLM Tokyo put out yeah. with uh, black creatives and and you know poets and artists um, in in Tokyo. Um, one of the things that we put together was um, this this zine, like a small magazine with different poetry and artistry mm -hmm. for for black creatives living in Japan. And um, uh, Malik was uh, one of the purchasers, so appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I ordered the uh, Black Lives Matter magazine from Japan, Tokyo wherever i like I'm, I'm with it if you were doing it and i i do love i do love japan i was like let me you know let me let me take part in a little bit of history right here absolutely yeah no, it was appreciative so we use the the funds for for projects like that to put on um you know uh, webinars and discussion videos where we talk about uh race and we talk about uh discrimination and try to try to educate the the, the public here about some of the things that were happening in the states um also to kind of shine a light on some of the discrimination that does take place in, in Japan um, at the same time. So be more of an educative approach. So, so those types of projects help fund those things. So appreciate it. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you guys again for having me. And I'll talk to y'all real soon. Sounds good. All right. Have a good night. You too. So yeah, so sounds like the Black Caucus weekend was, uh, you know, was a good look. It was. And it's funny because last week I was doing a live stream on Tuesday evening. I had to finish up some work right after we finished here and then jump in a car, head up to Albany. And then I was there for a few days. And now I'm really just recovering still from that trip. So it feels like I was just on this live stream or back at it again. And everything in between was Albany and Caucus weekend <laughs> slash half of a week, really, for me. Yeah. But you know, sounds like it could have been very productive and, and whatnot. So that's that's real cool. Absolutely. So all right. Well, I'm sure there was uh some uh you know um news buzzing around um during uh Black Caucus weekend. Um and we're gonna get into some of that a little bit later. And um we, we wanna do the poll recap for last week. So we had uh, the poll last week was, to me, for my responses, was the biggest that 
I had received, like people just had all kinds of, you know, people responded crazy. Um, so to remember what was the poll last week about, should there be a plan in place for student loan forgiveness? Now we didn't specify, should all student loans be forgiven? Shouldn't, right. didn't specify anything. Just is, should there be some sort of a plan in place to do some, quarter, some sort of forgiveness, some sort of help with it? Um, and I know my responses, it was overwhelmingly, yes, there should be. I think I got out of everything. I might've gotten only two, out of only two votes, about, you know, two votes saying no, that there shouldn't be. Um, and again, there's no, you know, context as far as degrees or levels, but, you know, yeah, that was kind of crazy. On mine, it was 100% for forgiveness. Wow. And I found that interesting because I had people of all political persuasions voting online. Also, I was a little bit surprised by that. I thought maybe you would see some people saying no, because I've seen people make the arguments online on some of those social media threads. But on my poll, people of all political stripes saying, yes, there should be some level of forgiveness. Maybe there's some disagreement as to what that would look like, how much forgiveness, who should be eligible for it. But everyone on my poll, 100, it's the first time this ever happened for me, 100% said, yes, there should be some form of student loan forgiveness. I think it's good to have that, um, that high level question asked first before getting into specifics, because then it lets it, it allows for this place of common ground. So like you said, you had different political backgrounds and everyone, you stood at 100%. So that shows that we at least can find a starting point, you yeah. know, that everybody can agree on. Okay, so if there's 100% of people saying there should be something in place, you know, then, the, then we go to the next steps and the details and how much and, and whatnot. But at least everyone is in agreement that something should, you know, should take place. Right. Um, I know there are plenty of people who don't agree with that, who don't think that there should be any forgiveness. They just didn't happen to vote on my poll, which is right. telling because maybe people don't want to say that. Maybe there's a hesitance, hesitancy to say we don't want to give people help. You know, although, like I said, I've seen it on social media threads here and here and there. So I was expecting it to pop up on my poll, but they didn't. Everyone, everyone said yes. Even people who are more conservative, people conservative, moderate, progressive, they all said yes on this one, on my page. And I got... I got a couple of um, conversations out of it, actually. Um, you know, after they voted, they'd send me messages, um, you know, and um, talk about their experience, talk about how they've got, you know, um, you know, $100,000 in loans or something. Um, and, you know, or someone talking about how it's just, you know, it's the debt is very, very difficult to deal with. And um, so this was, yeah, I was kind of surprised, you know, um, and how many responses that, that I got and, um, you know, how people, how I guess it touched people, something that was really, um, you know, contentious. Absolutely. So looks like we have another guest joining us. Yes. Andre <laughs> in the building. What's going on, Andre? He hasn't got hey, his guys, mic. Can you guys hear me? Is that yes, yep. we can hear you. Yep, we hear you. Let me see. Bystrove, of course, for those who don't know, he's the founder, co I was going to say co chair, but partner, partner of Brian Bystrove, of course, uh, as well as my longtime campaign manager. This is election season, so the firm is very busy. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys. It is very, very hectic. I just got off a, a call with a client. 
who called me while I was trying to walk my dog. My dog is the most upset out of anybody for this entire process. I can imagine. So I know you wanted to join us and talk a little bit about what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, I would like to talk about a lot of things. You know, okay. I would like to talk about Brian Benjamin. I would like to talk about, you know, there are, there are a couple of things to discuss and the crazy things that are happening in the world today. I just want to make sure that since our last conversation, folks haven't forgotten that there's still a war in Ukraine. And now we have, uh, you know, the potentialities of chemical weapons in uh, Mariupol. But also, you know, we're talking about genocidal style war crimes in uh, uh, Buka. Now, there was a, a protest in Russia, apparently, uh, uh, that, that involved white ribbons, um, folks laying down on the ground with white ribbons to protest what happened in Buka. And it is horrific. This is uh, uh, an instance where a uh, Russian soldier is basically divided what they who they considered civilians and non-civilians with these white ribbons and then use those white ribbons to kill the civilians to basically tie their hands and arms and then you know we're talking about unspeakable savagery we're talking about you know uh old school yugoslavian war type of brutality involving rape involving you know you know kids and and women getting killed in front of their husbands and it's just it's it's a horror show right now yeah, I think it's, it's it's definitely um important not to forget that that's going on and 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 the way that news cycles run these days, you know, um even something big can get overshadowed by the next big spectacle and um you know that they run with for, you know, for a while. Yeah, so, man, I mean, look, next time Pete Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian, you know what I mean, like go out on the town and stuff, it becomes like Zelensky who and that's a that's a problem. You know, we've talked about the the low attention span of the average kind of participant in today's society. And, you know, if that is just folks that read the news and pay attention to what's happening around the world, it's very, it's a very small number. Do you think that Putin is strategizing around that knowledge, thinking that now some of the attention is off of him, so some of the heat will be off of him, and now he can... No, so Putin, Putin at this point, man, he he's living in a bunker that's one uh, kilometer below wherever the hell it is, it's, it's enough for a large amount of people, apparently enough for, you know, we're talking about maybe 10, 10 to a hundred thousand people. And he apparently met with the Germans recently. And he said, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going, this is, this is it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going in there. So, you know, the idea of maybe the heat is off them, maybe there's a play, you know, play for him to back out and still maintain some sort of you know, face in front of the rest of the world, that's not happening. He doesn't care at all. He's just full force going into it and, you know, everybody else be damned. I have no idea what the end game for any of this is going to be. Well, that's what I meant. The fact that some of the attention is off of him now because it's not front page news anymore gives him even more motivation or more courage to, to go full force because he's sure. not he's scrutinized. No, I mean, sure. And, and you know what I mean? This is, this is going to be front page news in Europe going forward until until this war ends it but you know the amount of front page coverage that's going to get here in the states is going to be you know dependent on what's happening over there and the escalation that's happening and also what's happening in local government and you know as we're starting to wind down towards the midterms i'm assuming it's going to be like you know page 10 of the new york times with like a small little blurb you know eventually so that's it's going to be unfortunate it's going to be unfortunate and things are going to escalate so well, I guess we can talk about some of the stuff that is happening here. You mentioned yeah. the Lieutenant Governor uh, being indicted 
And the timing of that is really crazy because now it's too late for him to come off the ballot. Correct. Yeah, and you know, and, on the ballot. And I, yeah, I, I also I think you broke off there for a quick second. I don't know if that was just on my line, my end. Yeah, no, I was saying that it's too late for him to come off the ballot. So he was indicted, but the timing of it is very interesting because now voters, at least Democratic primary voters, are stuck with him on their ballot. So I'm I'm curious as to the kind of finagling that can be done, right? Uh, just from the governor's office, because I'm sure this is not helping her case to uh, uh, for an actual election, given the fact that she hasn't actually been voted in as governor ever. Um, and by the way, this is in no way, I, I also want to point out that I'm not trying to speak ill of the current governor, Kathy Ogle. I, this is, you know, a nonpartisan kind of critique of the situation rather than of her administration as a whole or anything of the sort. So uh, I will say this, that you and I actually talked about this offline previous, you know, when the, when the news was breaking in the beginning of the day. And yeah, I, I said that the timing is very odd because, you know, they would have had to take that into consideration. The fact that the declination was yesterday you know that they could have arrested the man yesterday and you know to be clear at first he was saying that you know nothing happened and now he he has resigned officially so i don't really know what's going to happen there right now um it's going to be it's going to be kind of a pardon my language a shit show you know i don't really know what what they can really do about any of this at the at, you know right now there's so. not much at this point i mean we know that there are limited avenues to replace someone's name from a ballot. Sometimes you run them for a different seat someplace else. I mean, maybe they'll look at doing something like that if it's possible at this point. Um, the thing is, he was not convicted, obviously. He was just indicted. No. So he doesn't have that felony conviction, just the indictment. Um, so it's not like there's some kind of automatic removal process. Like, But like you said, he resigned. So it's just a matter now of is his name on the ballot, even if he's not actively campaigning, what does that mean for the governor's race or what kind of trickle down effects what we see from this? So listen, uh, in this instance, I will actually make uh, a personal endorsement. I would really not like to see Tom Swazi as the governor of New York. And I'm, I'm sure they're celebrating in his camp entirely today. So I assume that the entire uh, Swazi camp is drunk right now, but oh my goodness. So I, I'm curious as to how much this hurts Kathy, and I'm curious as to what your opinions are. Like, how much does this really impact that race? Voters don't know her that well uh, outside of Buffalo. And like, I, you know, there are, there would be reasons from the left to criticize her. There would be reasons from the right to criticize her. I don't really know what her lane specifically is. I'm assuming it's the same moderate lane, but at the same time, she's I don't know. I, it's, it's, she was maneuvering a lot differently when she first got into office than she is now in terms of fighting uh, the bail reforms, that, the bail reform package from uh, the, the state legislators. So I don't really I don't know what her what her position is as an incumbent. She's got to be strong. But that previous poll of 38, 33 in a Democratic primary going up against Cuomo with all of his baggage and stuff that can't help. This can't help. Uh, so again, I, I don't really know what the situation is going to be. I can just tell you that I'm definitely not voting for Tom Swazi, but aside from that. So you said you want to make a personal endorsement. Is your endorsement anyone but Swazi? What is your endorsement? I don't know. No, I'm just saying, uh, uh, this is a, a non-endorsement, I guess the, okay. the non-endorsement of Tom, of Tom Swazi. I, I don't, I don't want to speak to 
an endorsement. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the man from from New York Three, uh, the the former, what was it, the former mayor of Glen Cove, right? And county executive in Nassau. Was he county county exec? And then he lost re-election, if I recall correctly. Uh yes, that's right. Yes, he won. He did win county county exec. Then he went. Then he uh no 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 no. When did he run for county exec? Because he got into New York three in twenty sixteen. This is way before that because he ran okay. for governor in two thousand six originally. Right, 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 right. County executive. Right, 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 right. So for those who don't know, I mean, I guess we should back up a little I bit. I was, was going to say, yeah. Brian Benjamin is a lieutenant governor, but he was not uh, originally elected, right? He was appointed to fill right. out by Kathy Hochul, who herself was a lieutenant governor. But when she took over for Cuomo, there was an opening for lieutenant governor. And so right. she selected him, thinking it was going to be advantageous for her politically, looking ahead to her election prospects. And now that Brian Benjamin is indicted and charged with corruption, and uh, you know, it seems like he was campaign uh, fraud. Giving, giving out money from the state senate to these groups who were then giving back to his campaign and and, and, and you know the accusations that he was involved in some illegal financial uh, behavior and i do want to just point out that this is uh this is in relation to his failed comptroller campaign right and so it's the city so the city election is matching funds at play and so forth um now from what i've read there is no charge that kathy hogel the governor knew herself of this when she chose no. it, but it may reflect poorly on her judgment, given that her first action as governor was to appoint Brian Benjamin, who was now indicted on a felony charge. Uh, it certainly doesn't look good. Will it affect right. her politically? I don't know. And as of right now, this is also the first charge because there is still a pending investigation into his actions as lieutenant governor, right. which, you know, again, we have no idea. I, I, somebody I else was also, I think, was it last week or over the weekend? Someone else in connection with him was charged, and, and now he is as well. So it's a conspiracy. There's, you know, it's ongoing. There may be other people who might be indicted. But, but the guy, the guy that they nabbed a week ago and stuff, didn't he plea out? Like, so he, I'm saying he took a deal, right? I'm not sure. Somebody was telling me that again. I don't want to, you know, this isn't like some fake news. To, you know, like we're right. not trying to push a story that doesn't actually exist. I had heard from a guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, no. Nah. I don't know that, that that might be the case, but again, the question is, how does this look for Kathy Hogel? Is it enough for Tom Swazi to beat her in the primary? I frankly don't think it's enough. I don't think he's that strong of a candidate to beat her, even with something like this hanging over her head. So, it if she was implicated in it personally, God damn it! I'm trying to make it so that this uh, uh, lamp doesn't just completely. Now nah, you're all good. All right. You know, def I mean, definitely opponents are going to use this. Um, make an attempt to use this you know in, in the campaign against her so oh listen i guarantee, guarantee you the swazi machine is already making an ad that i'm going to see on youtube and skip in like you know a day or two uh he has been going hard on every platform that i saw every time i see a swazi ad swazi ad swazi ad swazi ad she's not hard she's not you know hard on, on crime enough but she's also the only candidate that was ever endorsed by the nra okay cool tom you're the savior you're going to bring us all out of this. At this point, she's just sitting on her campaign war chest. I believe she has 21 some odd million. Have not seen a single ad for Kathy Ogle yet. Uh -huh. No. Where, where are these ads, Kathy? 
I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm sorry. I flood the airwaves and YouTube and everything else with them as we get closer. Governor Hogel, please, please show us some ads. We'd like to see the ads, please. She's she's keeping no. she's keeping it a secret. Yeah. No, she can hold on to it till the end. I mean, it might be smart, might pay off. We'll see. Again, I just don't see Tom Swazi as a serious enough candidate. Of course, I could be very wrong, but the first time he ran for governor, he didn't do that well against Elliot Spencer. I'll be honest with you. I'm 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 hoping that it becomes a more interesting primary because of it, potentially for some candidates that have been kind of on the back burner. You know what I mean? Folks that, you know, are not making a big enough splash just because of fundraising troubles. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Jumani Williams is always a formidable force, but, you know, he struggles with the fundraising. But again, you know, folks that 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 want uh, somebody with kind of a, a, a clean ticket, you know, should probably are probably now going to be reconsidering and, you know, taking another look at Jumani as a viable candidate. Well, that's a, we'll see about that. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I think he kind of stopped campaigning. I just feel like he just kind of gave up a little bit. Like, do you think maybe now he's reinvigorated and he says this is an opening for me? I mean, I, you know, I am uh, cautiously hopeful. I, I would I would like to uh, have a more kind of robust conversation when it comes to actual primary discussions. He is going to, you know, be the, the, the person that's going to maintain the progressive position. And I'm curious as to what he has to say in terms of how he sees the you know, leadership of this state uh, in terms of where it's going and how it should change. Yeah, it's hard to kind of figure what lane Swazi wants to be in. Is he running to the right of Hobo or to the left? I guess. Yes. Right no, no, he's running to the right. He's trying to the he's trying he's running to the right. I think he's trying to impress some upstate uh, upstate voters. And uh, yeah, I think that's what he's going for. He's going but, for a downstate upstate strategy and then maybe pick off some folks here in Queens. And uh, well, like you, you know, said, he's also attacking her for being endorsed by the NRA originally. So what? she's not tough enough on guns. Uh, he's saying that I, I can be tough without being endorsed by the NRA, maybe. So I'm going to be tough on these criminals without the, these guns. Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's kind or, of trying to like or saying that, hey, I'm going to be even tough. I'm going to be super tough on all criminals, including folks with guns in the state. I don't know if, you know, we'll see but how he plays saying it. that she's soft on guns is, is kind of to the left of her or trying to be to the left on that one issue, isn't it? Yeah, but I but I don't think that she's really going to say that I'm a pro gun candidate now that she's no longer running in Buffalo. So the the thing being is, I think he's saying that he's to the right of her uh, on most issues. On most issues, but there's also the NRA endorsement for anybody who who thinks that she's a lefty and wants to vote for her that way. Yeah, an NRA endorsement, especially in a Democratic area, can be a you know. Right, but this is this is during her time in Buffalo. This was during her time in Buffalo. It, it was never when she was a statewide candidate. And you have to remember that uh, didn't. I mean, I don't think that Joe Brand ever got an endorsement, but she was also not, you know, not good on guns and stuff when she was. Uh, because she was also an upstate congresswoman. The same thing. Yeah. That the you know, was. and so and and her position, you know, dramatically changed. You know, as soon as she became senator. So it's you know it's completely right. different. But my point is that I guess from a branding perspective, Swazi and Hogle, I think they're both kind of seen as moderates. Maybe some Swazi says he wants to be to the right on public safety, but he's also attacking her for being too far. Right. So it's so like, I, I think I think Jumani is, is clearly seen as the progressive candidate, but between uh, uh, Hogle and, um, and Swazi, 
I think there might be even some confusion as to like you know, where they really stand. Yeah, no, listen, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It does seem like there's very, very little policy differences that I'm going to see between the Swazi and Hobo camps. You know, I think that it, as a matter of fact, they'll probably be sniping each other for stealing their own policy platforms from one another and stuff. So, you know, who knows? Right. And there was an article that came out recently about Andrew Cuomo and the potential third party run. It's saying that his best shot was the primary, but it says that it doesn't look as good for him in the general election. If he were to run as a third party, he would need a lot of signatures more, I think, than any other state in the country. It would cost him a lot of money. And he's been burning through a lot of his cash on all those commercials. So at this point, well, there's a lot more money so, than he does. So what he would need, right, is 45,000 signatures just as a threshold. But right. in reality, he would need probably anywhere from 135 to 180,000. The article said he would need at least 90, but really need more than two, 2x. Yeah, so you would go for 3x, maybe three and a half times. And it's, it's going to be a lot of signatures, man. Five yeah. weeks to do it. It's a lot of stuff. And it's a lot of money. And I mean, like, not like the, you said the article said 500,000. 500,000 is a conservative number. Good luck. Good luck on 500K. Okay. I'm sure a lot of folks are going to be lining up to take that money for 45. Yeah. Okay. Not happening. That's the thing. They were saying that he's going to have a hard time even finding people to do it because some people are afraid of his brand. They think it might be a toxic brand at this point. Correct. And that's why, and that's why, why folks are going to probably charge extra. And that's why it's probably going to be, you know, for, for even 90, let's say 90,000 signatures. So let's just take that as a number. The realistic price, I can't imagine being less than 900 or a million for that amount. Right. I would say it's probably more though, because the, the organization that this would require and everything else throughout the state, it would just be huge. You know what I mean? And so, um, you need Look, at least what, half of the congressional districts in the state, right? Half of the, but but at the same time, the 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 amount of signatures uh, for those districts is is relatively minimal. That's that's the least difficult part. Though, did you see what happened to uh, what is it the the Grassley opponent in uh, uh, what is it Iowa? Yes, I saw that. I, right, I didn't she didn't. Article. She didn't get. Uh, she didn't get half uh, the the signature uh, qualification from the counties and stuff. Right, she said right. she was supposed to get. Half from the half of the Iowa counties and stuff, right? That was actually an interesting case because it was about substantial compliance, and she actually had the signatures, but some of them didn't have dates, and they were arguing that that was a substantial compliance. But the court ultimately said it wasn't good enough. You had to have the dates. Should have hired us. We I'm have sorry. dates on all of our stuff. <laughs> the Scala Law Firm, right there. Uh huh. Hire this guy for your campaign law services, and this guy to collect petitions for you. We'll go out to Iowa. That's right. I actually argued a case in New York about substantial compliance and how that works sometimes on the form of the petition, but not so much in other areas. Sometimes they try to expand that and say everything is substantial compliance. No, certain things are actually pretty strict in campaign law. Yeah, no, right. So the article also on Cuomo mentioned that virtually all of his support thus far is coming from Democratic voters. So if he's running as an independent, he could have a hard time because he's he, he's only starting with, I think, what, 30% they estimated of Democratic 33. voters? 33. But now you're putting him in a general election. A lot of those Democrats are going to go for the Democratic nominee. And he's, as of now, not showing that he can expand beyond just that Democratic base that he has. Independents and Republicans are not going for him. 
can I be, can I just be the devil's advocate here? Sure. I, one, I don't think that poll took into account the number of voters who said they wouldn't vote for Cuomo who actually would vote for Cuomo. I don't think, I think that 38, 33, Hogel Cuomo are not the actual numbers. They're not the true representation of voter feelings. Two, I disagree with the idea of him not getting independence. I do think that there are some independents that are going specifically to his lane who would be Democrats, if not for what they see as a woke culture, uh, you know, reinterpretation of the Democratic Party, right? There are some folks who went independent due to that. He has some of that. I do think he has some appeal to some upstate folks. I also think that a lot of legislators and elected officials are probably going to be supporting him behind the scenes, you know, without being actually actually to be able to give an endorsement until he wins, where they'll just come to the victory party, be like, hey, I, you know, I knew Andrew could do it all the way. The other thing is this: he, as a brand, Cuomo, the Cuomo brand, is so familiar and ubiquitous in New York state politics that if anybody can do a third party run, I as you know, meaning today in this state, right? I think he can this year. Now, a third party run next election cycle, no, forget about it. He would have to go through the primary. This time around, I think he might be a viable third party candidate. Not necessarily that I would vote for him or you or anybody else should. Uh, I'm just saying that in terms of the way that the, the, the thing would play out, I could see a potential third party run for him. Having said that, it's highly dangerous. It's never, you know, it, it, it doesn't usually happen. It has happened. I don't, I don't want to say it's never happened, but it has happened with an independent wins with enough name recognition and things like that. Uh, but, but having said that, a lot of states have very different structures in terms of their ballot, you know, and how many people of different parties run and things of that sort, you know what I mean? A lot of the places that I'm thinking about, you know what I mean, uh, 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 Arizona, Maine, and, you know, Oregon, places like that and stuff have very different ballot structures. Um, but yeah, okay. so if people can win write-in campaigns, I mean, you just saw it happen in Buffalo a few years back, Lisa Murkowski famously won re-election to the Alaska Senate as a writing candidate. Yeah. So look, these things do occur. I, you know, I just, I, I don't know, honestly, uh, what, what his thought process is. I will say that it doesn't seem like it would be feasible for him to win a Democratic primary four years from now. Hmm. Um, so this might I be think, the best chance. Yeah, and I think he does have all that money in his bank. So what is he going to do with it? The, right. But the thing is, I, I'm assuming his his fear is getting a Republican to win by doing that. Absolutely. That's what I was going to ask also, because the Republicans are saying, bring it on. They see right. this as the best chance for their pick, who as of now, I guess, is Lee Zeldin, Congressman yeah. from Long Island. Unless Andrew Giuliani somehow wins that primary, but whoever it is, they see the Democratic vote split as their path forward. I'll be honest with you: if Andrew Giuliani wins the the Republican uh, ballot line and stuff, then maybe Andrew Cuomo should run. <laughs> it could happen, though, just off name recognition alone. No, I mean, it, I'm saying it could happen, but I mean, holy the shit. fact that the Republican voter base is still very pro-Trump and pro-Giuliani. Insane people, insane, insane, insane people. It's very dangerous. What happened in the New York City mayoral primary? Now, Curtis Sliwa did have more organizational support in the city than Andrew Giuliani does have in the state. But nonetheless, he wasn't necessarily the favored candidate of uh, certainly not all of the county party organizations. And he won that primary handily. 
listen, while while he might have name recognition amongst the base in terms of Andrew Giuliani and stuff, the problem is that no, I don't think a lot of serious donors are going to take him, you know, seriously. His father is close to a prison cell and, uh, you know. Look, I'm just saying that, right? Like, if you if you see in the papers tomorrow, Rudy Giuliani indicted, right? Like, it's not it's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be a surprising thing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But so, it also wouldn't be a surprise for Kathy Hogel to win the Democratic nomination after her lieutenant governor is indicted. So, no, that that right. also, by the way, would not be surprising. Right. In fact, I think as of now, that is the most likely outcome. Yes. No, I agree with that. I could I could agree with that. Uh, but I will tell you this, I will tell you this, uh, in a three part, in a three way race, Hogel, Cuomo, Selden, I don't want to put my money on anybody. I would stay out of that bet entirely. That's going to be very close to call. It's going to be, and I guarantee you people are going to be counting, counting votes, man. It's going to be close. If not, if not between all three, between two, you know, could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine Kathy Hogan in third place? She could actually be in third place in that scenario. No, I mean, it would be insane. It would be insane, but at the same time, it would be explained away by the fact that voters have not had enough time to know her and stuff and, you know, really comprehend and associate her as though this is my governor, you know. All right. And they've got a lot more history with, with Cuomo. Um, and even in the in the poll that we ran on asking if he should even run, you know, it was it was kind of split, but there's, you know, there's a lot more history there with him. Right. Uh, wait, so what was, I don't know, uh, the, the results of your poll. What did the poll say? It was about 75-25 in favor of him not running, but you had a good quarter of, of people said that they thought he should run again. Yeah. Right, and you got to consider, you know what I mean? Conservative and Republican folks potentially are like, I don't want to vote for him. You know, we don't like Cuomo. That's but what it was. They're yeah. not party insiders, right? They're not like, oh, yeah, Cuomo should definitely run because Lee's out. <laughs> but, you know. Right, well, what, what I found was that the progressives and the conservatives were anti-Cuomo, but the more moderate Democrats were more pro-Cuomo on my poll. I but, wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Which That's I think okay. is how it is uh, when you see the actual scientific polls that come out, like when you look at his base of support, it's moderate Democrats. No, yeah. of course. Listen, man, progressives have been pissed about, uh, uh, progressives have been pissed at Cuomo ever since he shut down the Moreland Commission in his first term. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's be very real and stuff. Look, Cuomo is not an ideal candidate uh, in any shape or form, but neither is Lee Zeldin or Kathy Ogle at this point. So, like, I don't, you know, what's what's going on? Tom Swazi, I can't vote for Tom Swazi. And look, oh, my God, I, I don't know about Lee Zeldin, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I'm saying if it's a Tom Swazi, Lee Zeldin race and stuff, man, I might just be staying home that day. You might write in uh, Andrew Cuomo. I, no, I'm not going to write in Andrew Cuomo. I'm never doing that. But I'm going to write in, you know what I mean? Maybe uh, maybe a friend and stuff. Well, you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe it's going to be Donald Duck. Who knows? You I don't want to give... reveal what you did for mayor. I thought that was funny. Uh, huh. <laughs> well, you got some secrets there. You got some uh, some juicy tidbits there. No, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing juicy and stuff. I do want to give a shout out to my boy, uh, Paul Nichols. Who actually yes, knows- Paul Nichols running for governor, baby. Running for governor, yes. A serious undertaking, to say the least, um, but I wish him well. You know, did he, did he make the ballot? Do, do we know? Did he, did he hand in signatures? That's actually a good question. I have to look again. I don't remember seeing his name because I went to the Board of Elections. I was looking to see who handed in signatures for governor. And I don't remember seeing his name, but you know what, guys, why don't you talk for a minute? I'm going to pull this up right now. I don't by the way, 
yeah. Paul, Paul, if you're if you're watching this, man, in the Wikipedia page uh, for the uh, gubernatorial primary, Democratic primary, man, change your photo. The photo is not good. The description is not good. It is not a good description. It is not a good look. Change it. I'm not going to say more, but please change that Wikipedia page, man. Any, anybody can do it. You can go in there and, and change it for him. Help, help him I'm out. Not, I'm not working on the man's campaign. I'm not getting paid for this. I got other work to do, man. I got podcasts to be on. You know what I mean? Dogs to walk. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got a lot of stuff going on here. So, yeah. That, yeah I just pulled up the list. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Here we go. Paul Nichols. He actually, hmm. I don't want to say anything. I, <laughs> I shouldn't say anything. No, no, no. Don't say anything. The objections aren't out yet, right? So uh, we got to. But yes, there are petitions in for Paul Nichols. Mm. As well as Thomas Fossil, your favorite. Nobody else. Vladimir Joseph, I don't know who that is. The next governor of New York State, that's who that is. You know, could be, you know, the, the, the surprise candidate. Oh, no, no. Honestly, the the surprise the surprise upset man would be the Jumani win. It would be the the come from behind, no money race man. If all of a sudden fundraising dollars start fucking flowing in and stuff, this might become a very interesting race. All of a sudden, who knows? Barry Black in the chat says, "President Mike, go for it." Thank you, Barry. <laughs> is uh is a is a red man running? So that's actually, oh, but, he, but apparently he was the caucus, and I missed him. Red man. He was at the caucus, and he's the founder of a party. That's right. It's like the National Cannabis Party, I believe. Yeah. And he did say at that press conference that one day we will have one of our members in the White House. So he dreams big. Yeah. So you know. Hey, by the way, speaking of which, man, what's going on with that decriminalization bill that just passed the the House and stuff? Anybody know anything about this? Which bill? So, decriminalization. Yeah. Something Something passed. I don't know the details on it, but something did just pass recently. Yeah, I feel like it passed the House. I don't know. If yeah, it, I don't think uh, it's been enacted as of yet. Yeah. Fine. It's something you're looking forward to? <laughs> well, you know what a big issue is, and, and this is part of the discussion at Caucus Weekend, that these marijuana businesses are cash businesses because states are allowing them, but it's, it's still illegal at the federal Correct. level. Yeah, no, and, and, it's, and it's, it's highly problematic. Listen, it's highly problematic, not just for the potentiality for, for corruption and stuff, but also like for the safety of the owners of these businesses, right? Because right. they would like to keep their money uh, in FDIC insured banks <clears throat> and they can't really keep their money there. Also think I'm about sure. the tax revenue the state is losing. I'm sure not all of that cash. A ton, a ton. We need these dispensaries, guys. We need to we need to start taxing everything and just yeah, bring this money into the state. Yeah, I remember when what was it when um with Colorado when they had the first dispensaries go up, they made like a million bucks like right away in the state. So went to the schools, baby. It went to the schools. And and I think if I'm not mistaken, that's one of the reasons why Redman was up there at the Black Caucus, because um part of the movement that he's trying to do is when this business does show up when uh, all that does happen, that the people um, like the disenfranchised communities, black communities and whatnot, that have been largely targeted by the laws that um, were against marijuana in the past, that they don't get left out when right. the money comes in, you know, since they, you know, had the, the brunt of the punishment for something that's going to be legal now. 
correct? Absolutely. It's looked at as a form of reparations by some. Senator Sanders is the chair of the Banking Committee in Albany, so he's really taking a stand on this issue to say, hey, we want to make sure that this money can come through our banks and that we have a piece of it, that we, you know, we, we can follow it, we know what's happening to it, and it can get in the hands of people who should be enjoying this. So, so what I'm hearing is that, you know, we need to start a dispensary. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> so. so we wanted to talk about the Supreme Court Justice Jackson yes. confirmed. Yes. In particular, what the Republicans did upon her confirmation. Hey, Mike, right. what is the definition of a woman? <laughs> uh oh, it sounds like dangerous territory here. That was one of the questions that she was asked, and she was yes, by by Senator Blackburn, who is a horrible human being. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't mind saying it. <laughs> um, I think. We we did we did speak on this before, um, but I think yeah she was confirmed and that's um, congratulations to her. The one remember we did speak on it when Biden had announced that he was right. going to nominate a black woman specifically, and um, uh, yeah I think and and for me in particular it's like I don't think he should have said specifically that it was a black woman, but her being her winning she was very qualified. She handled the, the hearings with, with grace and restraint that um, I don't think I could have. Um, and, um, you yeah, know, congratulations to her. She's well-deserved. And she also, a lot of people might not realize, she clerked for the outgoing justice. So it's appropriate that yeah. she, to replace him. We so there was some three conservative majority, but at least a Republican president wouldn't have replaced the justice with someone. Uh, right more along the lines of who Trump appointed because then you would have a 7-2 majority. Right. And so one of the one of the news news bits that came out of it was how the how several of the uh, Republican politicians reacted when she was uh, being announced. Um, they walked out. Yeah, they walked out. Yeah, yeah. Now you do have to give credit to Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins for being Republicans to vote for her confirmation and obviously not walk out, right? Right. But was there, there was a, a statement released as to why they did this? I haven't seen anything for them saying why that they walked out. Um, oh, I mean, look, the, the answer is easy. They're assholes. Even even uh, Mitch McConnell, who I have a tremendous disdain for, as, uh, uh, as well as Ellen Chow, who's the, the former energy secretary, uh his, his wife and stuff uh, you know but he he stayed put he didn't you know he didn't clap but he didn't leave because he know he understands that this is just bad decorum what right. a nasty thing to do yeah nasty nasty people what are you doing you're walking out oh what a statement oh, what a statement well it sends the message that this was not legitimate and maybe that's what they're going to try to play off of that the whole election quote-unquote Listen, it's Eric Cartman with with I'm taking my ball and going home. It's what it is. It's, yep, it's exactly right. Ball. And that doesn't inspire confidence in our institutions. I mean, when people talk about how all Congress people are bums and should be thrown out, this is the kind of thing that makes them think that they're not maybe thinking about it with the kind of nuance that we wouldn't say, well, wait a minute, it's these particular senators who did it. Some people just look at this as a display of our Senate and they think they're all a bunch of big babies. Let's get rid of them all. And I think right. it's the people being disenfranchised or, you know, just, just tuning out. Right. So, 
listen, I, I, I'll say this. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as a lame duck president, Trump should not have appointed uh, uh, Justice Barrett and stuff. Amy Coney Barrett, so Comey Barrett. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, it was a legal process. And, and you know, obviously the Republicans are complete and utter hypocrites because they wouldn't allow the same thing uh, during Obama's time and everything else. But I will say this, when listening to her confirmation hearing and stuff, there are definitely a lot of red flags and issues in terms of her previous writing on, you know, Roe Ro v. Wade and, you know, uh, uh, some of her more conservative evangelical positions that that she incorporated in her uh, uh, perceptions of the law. Having said that, I did not see anything as uh, disqualifying as I did during the Kavanaugh hearings. So I just want to point out, in comparison to anything, any judicial decision that uh, 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 that now Justice Jackson has ever written during her time in as as justice in previous courts, nothing of that is in any way as by as as partisan or as you know something that is so specifically democratic as what Kavanaugh did. Like that dude was literally an elf. Uh, personally trying to do research for uh, uh, for uh, during the, the the Clinton impeachment. I mean, literally, this is as partisan of a hack as you can have. And you ended up putting him on the Supreme Court. And if you do that, Democrats walking out of the chamber when he was confirmed. Correct. Correct. Right. And my point being is not only did we not do that, but also like if you can if these guys are allowed to put in Kavanaugh in the in this permanent position and stuff, man, you can, uh, Democrats should have the right to elect, uh, to, to put up whoever the hell they want. The most partisan people possible. Listen, who, who gives a shit, man? Just let, you know, let whoever make the decision, man. But I wouldn't want cynicism to get the best of us. I mean, if we- right. No, 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 of course. No, no, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm being, I'm being, you know, what I mean? I'm being do, a bit, right? yeah, I'm being a bit, you know, uh, uh, egregious and kind of just, you know, flamboyant with my statement here and stuff. But I'm just saying that, Kavanaugh's crazy, man. Like that's that's a crazy partisan hack, yo. And like, yeah. But to your point, though, there was an article in the Intelligencer that said that um, Justice Jackson is going to be the last Democratic justice because the partisanship is so hyper, you know, inflated these days that she would end up being the last one. So it's you're probably saying basically what you're saying, like basically, like. People's going to go so far to each extreme, you know, and we're going to have the super hyper partisan, you know, Supreme Court. The other the other part of it is it's going to be kind of interesting. Right. I think the next justice to go is probably Clarence Thomas. If this still occurs with if this still occurs within. Biden's tenure. I still think we lose the Senate after these midterms, and I can't imagine who can actually get a conf get confirmed. Yeah. Well, here's something else to keep in mind. And I know it's scary. Maybe I should be knocking on wood, but I've been saying this as a word of caution. There's never been in modern history two Democratic presidents elected back to back without one of them dying in office. The yeah. first Democrat we ever had was Andrew Jackson, followed by Martin Van Buren, and that was it. That was the very beginning of the Democratic Party, at least the name Democratic Party. Since then, we're talking the 1800s, early 1800s, you know, 18, what, 1832, 1836. That's the last time that that's ever happened. 
we've never had two Democrats elected back to back. So that's something well, that. Well, look, presumptively, if uh, uh, Biden wins re-election or if he ends up letting Kamala run or if he steps down and somebody else runs, you know what I mean? It wouldn't necessarily be the same thing as, you know, us winning two elections. Yeah. But I'm saying if Biden doesn't run again or if he does his two terms and then we have that coming up. So far, that hasn't happened. We've come close. I mean, you could argue that Gore should have won his election and even uh, you know, Hayes versus Tilden, if you want to go back to the 1800s, you know, we've come close. And in fact, Democrats have won the popular vote and lost the Electoral College. Uh, in that sure. But we still haven't had, I'm just saying, it's not a thing that we've seen since 1836. All right. So, I mean, look, we'll see, right? We'll see. Everybody was kind of proclaiming the end of the Republican Party as soon as Obama won, right? Post George W. Bush. And in comparison to George W. Bush, Trump, I mean, look, man, I remember being a kid and protesting George W. and stuff. And now he, he just seems like bottom of the barrel. Just, yeah. You know, now he just seems like he's uh, he was, you know, not a particularly smart guy. Something that you would expect from a C student. But now he's a coin painter and, you know, potential war criminal. But like in comparison to Trump. Whoa. Yeah. A delight. A delight. Yeah, um, so I, I don't know. Well, let's put out the poll question of the week and get people's thoughts on this. And we want to ask specifically about Republican senators walking out upon Justice Jackson's confirmation. So did you think it was the right move for U.S. senators to walk out in protest of Justice Jackson's confirmation? It'd be interesting to see what these uh, responses are, especially with uh, the gamut of, uh, you know, people that are going to be looking at it. So. And we do have a lot. I do want to shout out the people who take these polls, watch the stories. Like I was yeah. said last week, we have district leaders on there. We've got sometimes city council members, assembly people checking our stuff out. So I appreciate everyone who looks at this and who these polls and who engages with us. I'm curious if it's going to just go down like, um, you know, partisan lines as much as we could tell or not. Like if they're just people are going to support their 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 party in the. I would well hold on a second. I. If I'm going to guess on this, I don't think any Democrat is going to say it was a good idea if they're yeah. truly Democratic voters. I don't think, but the Republicans might be a little split on it. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I look, I, I'm always, you know, if, if even if I don't support your candidates, I'm always happy to talk to Republicans who just, you know, have, uh, I guess, the, the common sense just to have a general, you know, genuine conversation about policy positions. I'm cool with it. Uh, you know, but I think that if you're a decent human being, you would think that that's indecorous behavior. And it's just, you know, it's, it's inappropriate for the stature that these people have. Uh, Republican, Democrat, or independent, I think you should see this as a, uh, a nasty move on the part of these senators. Now, you know, I also disagree with people in my own party, and I think Republicans need to do more of that as well. Right. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the nuance that we've been talking about. Absolutely. Which I think is the name that we've settled on. Unless we go back to the other name that we had. Right. Depending on how we move forward with this, we, we have some possibilities here. Right. Absolutely. Um, we did want to meet. Say, say what? I was going to say the, the, the nuance podcast. I like it. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's necessary to have that back in the conversation, you know, and, and like you, you just brought up, like you, you're more than willing to talk to, to, you know, Republican to have a general conversation or whatever. And, you know, people need to have those conversations 
you know, either cross aisles or cross positions and understand that there is nuance in things. Everything's not so cut and dry all the time. Um, so, you know. Yeah, listen, man, I have a, I have a guy that lives in my building, has birds, sometimes sits around in the building and stuff in the, in the lobby and stuff with his bird. He's got a, a like a little parrot. And he's a <clears throat> staunch Republican, and we've had some great conversations about politics. You know, these things happen. Yeah. We did want to, to, to mention uh, before going out uh, the, the shooting that took place in Brooklyn, I guess, this morning, your time, yesterday, right. my time. Um, looks like there's about 17 people at this point that's been injured uh, at last count. It was an explosion. I think he had some kind of a smoke bomb. Smoke, smoke bomb. bombs. And then, yeah. You know, crazy. 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 Yeah, there's you know, crazy um, images that are being posted all over social media, you know, people bleeding and, and, you know, the smoke and everything. So hopefully everybody is uh, safe. You know. And I think it's irresponsible at a time like this to say that the solution does not involve law enforcement. We've talked about how it's more than just that. We got to get to the root of the problem, but right. you can't try to use this as a political football and say, uh, the answer is, no police ever like no law enforcement has a role to play in this and we've got to be serious about this kind of thing has anyone brought that up i've been people seen... yeah there are certain people on twitter who have been saying that they're using this as an opportunity to say you know, people have been calling for more police let's not be distracted by something like this like no i think at a time like this you do need law enforcement to play a role but we always say you can't stop there the conversation has to be beyond that because that's not a way to prevent crime or to make the situation better long term but do need police to play their role. I mean, let's be realistic about this. Sure, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they definitely have a role to play. And I mean, as as yet, we don't have any, uh, I haven't seen any any report on motivation on, on you know, what, what this person did, why they did it. I think they're, I don't think they've caught them yet, if I'm not mistaken at this point. They're at large. Yeah, people were saying stay away from the area. I do want to say, because I don't want this just to be a negative thing, um, you know, you watch the news, everything is always negative. I did have a very positive experience earlier in Forest Hills, actually. Uh, I have a new debit card and I was trying to pay for the uh, parking on the street. And for some reason, the meter was saying that the card was expired, even though it was a new card. Someone actually was nice enough to come by and say, hey, you having some trouble? And he paid for my parking, uh, just out the blue. So uh, things aren't all bad out there. We have a lot of bad stories that we hear and people are very scared about what's going on right now, but I'd wanted to take the time to say that there are some great people out there still and still a great city. Uh, and, you know, you have to- sure well that's that's yeah i mean it's good and and you know especially you're being in new york you know new york has that uh, reputation for being hard um but i've um always described new yorkers as as like m&ms so they've got the the hard outer shell but once you get past that like you know it's it's you know it's real sweet it's um you know they they, they, they talk with you they tell you about their families you know you know, they help you out. There's, you know, but there's that hard exterior because, you know, city's tough, you know, so. It is a tough city. And so whatever we're going through, we will bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you all for joining us on another Tuesday. Yes, and thank you again, Andre. Before we sign off here. Yes, sir. Guys, it's always been a pleasure. Uh, and next time uh, I will not be filling in for Malik. Malik will actually... <laughs> be able to talk the entire time <laughs> that's all good it's, it's it's great to get you on here and um you know it's good to uh, the the 
reaffirming of what's happening in Ukraine. I think that was, uh, you know, it's very necessary so that uh, news cycles don't, you know, overwrite the horrendous things that are happening out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. Getting a lot of love in the chat tonight. I got a message yeah. here from Mike Scholar as our future assemblyman, inshallah. So guys, I appreciate the support. Yeah, check it out. President, assemblyman, uh, yeah, what's, what's next? Right? So. Well, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Have a good night, guys.